Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week, sword. <laughs> Stones, a lot of stuff about maybe. Sword. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff about Arthurian legends because today we are rebooting kind of quest for camelot but also it's original source material which i didn't actually use in the movie um the king's damozel i didn't know it had original source material oh this is one of those adaptation in name only (laughs) i mean i'm not shocked on account of the dragons (laughs) yeah also for that matter blade beak yeah are we keeping the cores like the band the cores who do who do the song at the beginning. Yeah, we will. Yay. Yeah. I will fly in my father's wings. Extreme fiddle noises. <laughs> I guess we can change a couple things around. But anyway, so we're rebooting Quest for Camelot, which is a very interesting thing to reboot because Okay, so it goes like this. Back in 98, <laughs> Quest for Camelot, an animated music video, music film. <laughs> it's an animated music video. It just keeps yeah. having songs. Um, Produced by Warner Bros. Based very, very loosely to the point of almost nothing from the original book got into the movie. Um, So this book from 1976 called The King's Damozel by Vera Chapman. So... The thing about this movie is that it was trying its best to compete with late Disney Renaissance films because this is the 90s, so this is coming after, like, Hunchback, so uh, we can kind of say the Renaissance is kind of on the downswing by this point, even though Hunchback is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. So, the general plot of Quest for Camelot that everybody got was that you have Sir Lionel, who's one of the Knights of the Round round Tables, he has a daughter named Kaylee. Sir Lionel dies during an attack on Camelot by an evil lord named Sir Ruber. Kaylee grows up to try to be a knight because she's an only child and a tomboy and not like the other girls. Oh boy, does it lean into not like the other girls sometimes. <laughs> I'm not like other girls. I can kill. <laughs> Uh, they try to model her on Belle from Beauty and the Beast, right down to some of her, some of her look is like, oh, yeah, yeah sort I of character design. This is this is very what if Belle ha- wanted to wield a sword? Yeah, but the thing is, unfortunately, Kaylee got hit with the faux action girl stick. This is tr- and also several literal sticks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, years pass after her dad dies. There's another attack on Camelot. This time, Sir Ruber's Griffin manages to steal Excalibur. <laughs> and everybody somehow knows that Excalibur has been stolen. Well, because isn't there, in the movie at least, there isn't there a town crier that just runs around the entire English countryside? Excalibur's been stolen! We're fucked! They blow a horn and there's some peasants who just hear that and are like, Oh no, this Excalibur has been stolen! <laughs> Surprised that wasn't a whole ass musical number. Yeah. So, anyway. Kaylee's home gets attacked, and her mom, Juliana, gets kidnapped by Saruber, and Kaylee goes off to retrieve Excalibur, get back to Camelot, save her mom, save the kingdom. Fall in love. 
fall in love with a hot blind warrior dude in the middle of the enchanted woods and also there's a two-headed dragon acting as comedic relief voiced by eric idol and don rickles yep <laughs> it was a choice it, upon rewatch in hindsight it's like oh boy <laughs> so anyway the king's damoiselle it's it's a fantasy novel um that's based off of an Ar an actual arthurian legend uh the romance of Lynette and Lynnes. So the 1976 book, it's the most of the story is told through flashbacks following Lynette's failed marriage to Sir Gaharis. And it's all based around the story of Lynette and Lynnes, where Lynette comes to Camelot looking for somebody who can help her rescue her sister. And um, she teams up with Gareth, who was disguised as a kitchen boy at the time, because, look, this was mostly written, most of the story that we got came from Sir Thomas Mallory, so medieval bullshit, okay? Okay. Just go with it. So, it involves tracking down the Black Knight and, and the Red Knight of the Redlands, also called Sir Ironside. They rescue Leoness. And Lynette winds up marrying Garrus' brother, Gaharis, while Lynette, while Leonessa winds up with Gareth, and there's a whole subplot where Gareth is so overcome by lust for Leoness that he tries to have sex with her before marriage, and somehow Lynette is so pure and so good, she convinces her future brother-in-law to not... <laughs> Do not do the do. What the hell? Again, that part was probably written by Sir Thomas Mallory, who lived between, it should be noted, 1415 and 1471. Okay, so hang on. So are you describing the, the Thomas Mallory bullshit or the book The stuff? Thomas Mallory bullshit, which also plays into the Vera Chapman book, where basically, like, that story happens as part of the backstory, and then Lynette... She winds up leaving Gaharis because they're neither in love, and Lynette's actually in love with Gareth, whom she eventually gets over. Also, it turns out that she was sexually assaulted as a teenager by a family friend, and I think we definitely do not need to adapt that part. Yeah. So Lynette winds up in Camelot. She becomes uh, his demoiselle, basically his messenger, and this seems to be early enough in Arthur's reign where he's dealing with rebellious lords all the time, so she goes around and apparently she is so brave and graceful that in the course of her work she earns the respect of all of all who travel with her, including Guinevere's unlucky admirer Lancelot. Oh boy. <sighs> you can see my issues here. Yeah. Where it's like, there's some interesting things going on, but there's also bullshit going on. So eventually, Lynette winds up in a cave. She meets a dude named Lucius, who was probably the biggest in inspiration for Garrett from Quest for Camelot. He's a guy who was basically raised in the caves. He's basically blind. And she, uh, this part, she's actually on a grail quest. So they eventually find the grail. So that Lucius can use it to save himself. She sets up with her traveling companions from before. They do the whole thing. 
Lucy's eventually, I don't know, drinks from the grail, but dies soon after, but he gets to see her. And like Lynette was up to this point very self-conscious about her look. She thought that she was really plain. And he dies telling her that she's beautiful over and over while he dies. And she, you know, continues on her journey as King Arthur's damozel. That's the end of the story! So, Lindsay's update. It's kind of a cobbled together. It's still going to be animated because, like, okay, I, I do want this to be, like, a grown-up movie or, like, a movie for teens. But, like... But we can do a lot more interesting stuff with animation. Yeah, you can do a lot more interesting stuff with animation. That's the whole thing. So it's cobbled together from, like, a whole bunch of different sources to create maybe not an unproblematic story, but definitely not as, like, fucking... Choices! <laughs> <laughs> so, my general idea, and I kind of ran out of steam by the end, because, I don't know, big battle, like, in fucking Lord of the Rings, everybody is happy at the end. So, anyway, during some research, I also found some older stories related to Lynette and Lynette. Specifically, they had a brother named Guillemar. So the thing about Guillemar is that he is tied into stuff regarding Morgan Le Fay. I remember you took, uh, when you were getting your English degree, a class about like medieval literature, right? And you Did I? I remember you were talking about Marie de France. And Guillemar shows up in one of Marie de France's stories. I don't uh, think it was medieval literature. Okay. Uh, hey, listen, you probably know more about my degree than I do. <laughs> I am the one who drinks alcohol. I should have the memory problems here. <laughs> we switched. <laughs> so anyway, Guillemar, his early no known appearances is from the 12th cent is from a bunch of 12th century botanic plays or fairy tales. Um, he goes by a bunch of different names because, again, no standardized spelling. And basically his stories involve him falling in love with a fairy queen. And over time, the fairy queen became Morgan Le Fay. And all these texts are related to Marie de France's L'Enval, where the human queen character is Guinevere. And in the 13th century French Vulgate cycle, the Lancelot Grail, so this is where Guillaume winds up with Morgan Le Fay while she is married to the king of the Orkney Islands. And they have their affair, and they get caught by Guinevere, who's the new queen of Camelot, and both are banished, and this helps set a whole bunch of other plot emotion that leads to Arthur's downfall. From there, there was also a related story about, like, how he wind up in King Arthur's quarter, like, how he's related to King Arthur. Sometimes he's a cousin of Guinevere. Uh, sometimes he's related... Or, like, he's in battle with this one king called Ryance, or sometimes he's on the side of Ryance before switching over to Arthur's side. So, what I've decided is this. Our main character is Lynette. Okay. She's the younger sister to Sir Guillemar and Dame Eleanor. Her family has fallen on hard times because her dad, King Ryance of Gwyneth, fought against Arthur during Arthur's early days when he was forming his kingdom. So, dad's dead. Or he's gone full Fisher King, shit's bad at bad at home, and Guillemar winds up 
having an affair with Morgan Le Fay. They get caught. They get banished. So, again, things are not great. So, Lynette, uh, she manages, manages to get to Camelot, gets work as a Leonid, who is a messenger, just like in the book. She does her duty without much complaint, you know, really diligent, good at her job. Develops a massive crush on Sir Gareth. <laughs> because, I don't know, he's the hottie around there. I Forgive me if you mentioned before, is Sir Gareth also blind in this one? Um... I don't know, because I was thinking of keeping an alternate love interest. Okay. Because what I was thinking with Gareth is that he is in love with Eleanor, and Eleanor still gets kidnapped by the Red Knight, and more about him later. So the whole story is Gareth goes after Lady Eleanor, or Dame Eleanor, because he is very much in love. And Arthur's like, no, I don't want you to do that. Uh, some other night, I had originally written down Gaharis, but there might be weird shit involving like two sisters falling in love with two brothers. I don't know how people feel about that nowadays. Uh, we have family friends who the, it's two sisters that marry two brothers. Okay. <laughs> and the brothers are twins, so their children, all their kids look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very much a situation of one couple met beforehand, and then when they got together and the family started interacting more, then the other two got together. Okay. And that might be the case with Lynette and Gaharis. Yeah. Like, I, I will say there was probably a little bit more uh, political weirdness going on back then, where it's like, this yeah. is our whole plan. We've, we've set out this morning to find you two sisters, two brothers to marry for political reasons. Or like... If you were poor, it was more just convenience. Yeah. Not dying can be a political reason back then. <laughs> it's more like we live in the same village, so yeah, <laughs> you're my option. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's not something, it's not like when everyone wanted to marry their cousin back then. Well, not wanted, but you know what I mean. It's different. And that's, that's not going to be something that people get weirded out by these days. Because it does happen, just, you know it's a crazy random coincidence as opposed to like a scheme or you live in a small town and you have no way out of that small town yeah trust me my family is there's a reason why i cannot date anyone from southwest manitoba <laughs> <laughs> you need to get that app from uh iceland where it's like <laughs> you hold your phones together and they tell you whether you're too close to cousins <laughs> yep <laughs> but fuck he's hot oh well <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, the basic thing is that Gareth runs headlong to rescue Eleanor because he's still in love, and Gaharis is sent- because they're also- Gareth and Gaharis are nephews of Arthur, so Arthur's probably like, get your fucking brother back. <laughs> All right, uncle. <laughs> and Lynette is sent along because he's like, well, she's my best negotiator for, you know, these- fucking lords maybe she can hash a deal out and i don't know maybe arthur is shitty in this version and he's like well ernside kidnapped her he might as well just marry her we'll figure out a fucking dowry or something her dad's useless anyway so basically between there and sir ironside's lands uh they have weird medieval adventures they get sidetracked to have to go rescue Gareth from the Val saint which is a thing Morgan Le Fay in the story set up, which is like this 
valley in a forest that's usually identified with this forest in Brittany that Knights gets stuck in and they somehow can't get out and they manage to rescue him and then they go to Ironside's place and the reveal Sir Ironside's the Red Knight is Guillomar. <gasps> dun 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 and he's kidnapped Eleanor to use as a way to get back into Camelot for various reasons. I don't know. Maybe Eleanor has re-entered the good graces of the royal court and she was actually like a lady of Guinevere or something. Who so knows? So is, question, is the Red, okay, hand, so you're, it's your idea that the Red Knight is Guillemar or was that from the source yeah. material? Okay. Are either of them the inspiration of the character that became Ruber? Yeah. Also, have you ever looked up some of his facial expressions? I have. <laughs> They're beautiful. <laughs> Those were choices. It's like the animators knew about like having stretch frames, but only animated in stretch frames. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to entirely blame them because I'm sure there was a lot of rush on this thing because they're definitely trying to cash in on the Disney Renaissance, but... Yeah, again, choices were made by Warner Bros. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say I do like the idea of him having, like, a magical mechanical army. My mechanical army! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As he pop and locks sinisterly. <laughs> I mean, they had that weird techno, techno song as part of his villain thing. It was barely techno. It was barely yeah. a song. <laughs> Yeah, it was mostly Gary Oldman just, like, speak singing. <laughs> Look at this chicken! I gave it with an axe! Now it has an axe chicken! <laughs> yeah! PPAP has more musicality than this number. Yeah! This, n- <laughs> this number is basically 90s goth version of PPAP. Yeah! I have chicken. I have axe. Uh, chicken axe! <laughs> <laughs> also, the prayer that was sung by Celine Dion, pe- people thought it was a legit Christian song. It gets carried, covered covered by everybody. I mean, it helps that they roped Celine Dion into singing this, but I guess Celine Dion will sing anything. Celine Dion wrote an original song for Stuart Little, too, so who knows? She does what she wants. I, I mean, she also did the song for Deadpool 2. <laughs> this is that is true, but like Deadpool 2 had Marvel money behind it, so I'm not totally yeah. shocked. Where's Stuart Little 2? I didn't even see that one. Yeah. Again, um, that was Who else? Who's the who's the big opera guy? Uh Josh Groban? No, the like the actual opera singer, although I'm pretty sure Josh Groban has covered the song too. Cause it was actually like a big hit. Yeah, like did it get a an Oscar nod? Let me uh... check the accolades. Uh, it won a Golden Globe for Best Original Song and was nom- nominated for an Oscar in 1999 and a Grammy for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals in 2000. Andrea Bocelli. That's the big opera ah, guy. Okay. <laughs> who covered it alongside Celine. Um, also, fun fact, in the movie, Kaylee is voiced by Jesslyn Gilsig, also known as Terry Schuster, which means we could watch this movie for my Glee podcast. <laughs> It's all connected. Next time I'm at your place, it's just going to be like a wall somewhere of <laughs> all of the Glee connections, like the Pepe Silva board. 
So, yeah, anyway, back to my plot, which is still fairly thin. It's just like, Guillomar wants revenge on Arthur for banishing him. I don't know, maybe he's getting some help from Morgan, from Morgan Le Fay because she's always plotting something. What, maybe, let's, okay, how about, instead of Morgan Le Fay being, like, a big bad, what if she's just, like, a background thing? Because, like, all the Arthur people, they have a general idea of Morgan Le Fay as a villain, so Weomar yeah. could just say, oh, I got my mechanical army from Morgan. Yeah. And that's, that's all we hear about it. Yeah. And that leaves it open for a sequel! We're gonna franchise this shit! Oh, yeah! Because the... I just realized before we started the podcast, like, just before the call started, that, like, one of the big problems with adapting Arthurian stories is that everybody focuses on Arthur, like, especially the origin story, and they'll sometimes focus on his downfall, but, like, everybody's like, oh, we have to tell the true story of, first off, there is no true story. It's all fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, Arthur is likely a historicized mythological figure who might have been based off of, like, a couple dozen sub-Roman warlords at the time. That's all that anybody can really say. And the more interesting stuff is all of like the related stories that are set in the Arthurian universe. Like there's a wealth of stuff from like the story of Percival, Tristan and Isolde, Lynette and Leonis, the just like there's a whole bunch of other stories that you can draw upon to adapt and all that. It's just most people get so hung up on Arthur for, like, obvious reasons are obvious, but, like, that's kind of where the downfall happens. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, in the original Quest for Camelot movie, Guillemar takes Eleanor to use as, like, his way into Camelot. Gaharis gets hurt, so, I don't know, they have to do some weird love confession, true love's kiss sort of thing to heal him. And then they go, big battle. They defeat Guillemar. Lynette is sad because she had to kill her brother, but... The, he was bad. He was a bad brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe part of her character arc is that she... Because she's the baby of the family, maybe she only really... Maybe she was really young when Guillemar was banished. So, like, her impression of Guillemar is kind of like a very idealized version Oh, so she like so he was banished, and she was like, "But I'm sure my brother was true at heart deep down." And then she meets him first as a broken pedestal, and second yeah. of all, it's you're terrible. And like, the the closest thing I have to a brother is the fantasies that I had about not fan- maybe fantasy is the wrong word, but like the 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 daydreams I had about you when I was a child, and you yeah. know you just pro- proved all of those. So, sword. Yeah, like I don't know if we should keep the whole. Maybe, like, part of the thing is, like, he's also trying to take Excalibur to, like, cement. Like, I not only want to defeat Arthur, I want to take over the kingdom. Maybe his plans have gone very grandiose, too. I don't know. As I said, big battle. Guillemar dies. Lynetta's sad, but then, like, Gaharis is there, and she's... Another thing is, like, basically, like, she gets over Gareth. <laughs> because, like, for most of the movie, she's going to be hanging out with Gaharis and is like, oh, you're actually kind of a cool dude. Why don't we smooch? <laughs> um, Gaharis, what if, like, if there's an initial attack at the beginning that kind of starts the plot going, Gaharis could be blinded in that attack. Okay. And then, because I do, I do want to keep the, the part about, like, the male lead being blind. I think that's good yeah. to have in there. Um, and then avoid the weirdness of Press for Camelot, where it was like, 
Excal the, the, the magic healing leaves can repair fatal wounds and also clothing, but they're not going to heal his eyes. But also he doesn't need to heal his eyes. But also Excalibur has the power to repair anything, including splitting uh, conjoined incest twin dragons apart, but then putting them back together again. But they still do nothing to his eyes. Yeah. So how about he gets blinded in the attack, but he's so, like, gung-ho about, like, getting and chasing down the Red Knight that it's it's not so much that, like, I'm going to go this alone and no one can help me. It's really more part of, uh, okay, I want to call her Kaylee, but I know you changed it to the actual character. Yeah. <laughs> What's the actual name? Lynette. Lynette. Lynette is, it basically starts as Lynette chasing after Geharis. So it's like, well, if you're going to go on this quest, I have to come with you on account of, you know, you're recently blind. You're going to get yourself killed. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that your brother, you know, kind of bolted on you, but like, I don't know, maybe Gareth is the himbo. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like the relationship was would start as I don't need your pity. And then it would go through, like, I'm not pitying you. I like, I have the same motivation as you do. I just don't want you to die on the way there. Yeah, like, Lynette wants to rescue her sister because she's like, well, my dad's non-existent and my brother's gone. She's kind of my only family left. So you're going to help me out with this because she's like, yeah, I'm not just going to let my sister hang. And then they fall in love. Love. And also Geharis will figure out how to fight without seeing. Yeah. He's going to daredevil this shit. Oh, yeah. And also, I should probably give Eleanor more to do than just be the damsel in distress. Maybe she's the one who gets the revelation first or something. She could also leave like breadcrumbs and clues to where she's being taken so it's yes. easier for the heroes to follow her. Yeah. And brain blast. So, okay. If we do expand Quest for Camelot into franchise, I was thinking about Guinevere because I, I remember back when we were talking about the Camelot High books and I was like quickly looking at stuff about Guinevere and she seems to have been a lot more magically powerful in the original Welsh stories than she was later on so maybe maybe Eleanor knows some magic okay and she leaves the sort of clues and maybe a bit of an aid to get Gareth out of the Val Saint because I don't know maybe she figured out some of Morgan Le Fay's magic herself and then we can eventually form a questing party, so we have... <laughs> <laughs> we have Paladin, Fighter, and I, I guess she'd be a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd need, we need a healer. Who's that gonna be? <laughs> I Is mean... it the chicken? <laughs> chicken cleric! I mean, there's a witch in the original book. Maybe she could also help out with with some of the stuff too yeah oh you know all these all these especially in the 90s all these movies they need like a wish that you meet halfway through she's like this just this weird old woman yeah <laughs> but she ends up being nice but she like has no character development she's just like the weird old lady <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not necessarily the 90s but actually i'm more specifically thinking of the witch from brave yeah <laughs> I was also thinking of that one Anastasia sequel <laughs> with Bartok, <laughs> and he meets Baba Yaga. <laughs> I have not seen that one. I've only seen clips, and so the only thing I remember from Bartok the Magnificent is that the villain is a queen who turns herself into a dragon, but it starts with her just getting some masses bonka honka donkaroos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again. Dragon tits, dragon tits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... 
Shrek had a sexy dragon, so... But that was different. She just had, like... She was sexy because she could smize. Yeah, that's true. She didn't have jiggle physics. <laughs> Again, choices were made. Choices. Everyone, everyone in the 90s kept on making choices. <laughs> Can't say they were all good choices. And it led to who we are today. <laughs> now, do we need talking animal sidekick? I think we need an animal sidekick, but they don't need to be funny talking animals. I think we should uh, keep the hawk. Yeah. With the, 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 the hawk with silver wings that will slice you up and just making a bit more of like a silent snarker. Yes, because hawks have an inherently snarky face. His name is Aiden. They gave him a people name. <laughs> oh, and apparently he's... Uh, Aiden is a silver-winged falcon who serves as Garrett's aide and Merlin's pet. Forgot Merlin was even in this movie because he doesn't do shit. Yeah, I think that was a holdover from the original book because it was Merlin who persuaded Arthur to give Lynette the job. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know, maybe this is a situation where they realize, Merlin, you lazy bastard! <laughs> uh, it would be it would be a situation where it's like, uh, they, Gaharis and Lynette come across Aiden in, while they're going through, I don't know, the, the Dark Woods, or whatever they're called. Uh, and... <laughs> And Lynette convinces the Aiden to come with them and, like, be Gaharis's seeing-eye bird. And then they become, like, bash bros, because they both have swords. <laughs> Except Aiden's swords yes. are also wings! Yes! <laughs> Sharp bird. <laughs> now I'm thinking, like, his Pokemon is probably, like, Corviknight. Yeah. Oh, very much so. <laughs> um, also, also, I think we should keep the griffin. Um, yes. But the griffin is not voiced either. And yeah. instead of it being a griffin griffin, what if it's, like, just another machine? Like this Ooh. this gnarly steampunk griffin that oh, yeah. uh, Red Knight... What's his people name? Guiamar? Guiamar. Guiamar. Guiamar has, like, him as a mount, as just this, like, na nasty, like, dark and rusty steampunk griffin thing. Yeah. Nice and badass. Yeah, I have no idea for casting, so... <laughs> um, okay, what, what are the ages of these people? nebulously teenagers in early 20s. Including Gaharis? Maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with aging them up into their 20s. Okay. Because it it does feel like, I mean, Gaharis is probably a little bit more, no, not even mature. He's just, he's very stalwart, and it seems like maturity at first. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, he's stoic, and he has, it seems like he doesn't have a personality, but he does. Um, And you know what? There are probably, like, blind stuntmen and stuff that we could maybe not stuntmen but blind martial artists that we could just hire cast i was thinking of keeping this animated because oh that's right i, I forgot the animation yeah. okay well then they're all voice actors yeah <laughs> there we go we've cast it yeah hire people who have worked for like funimation yeah i mean like technically this is a wb movie so if we're keeping it in-house there's a lot of yeah. good animators that go through cartoon network oh yeah um, oh, uh, what if what if Estelle voices the sister that gets kidnapped? Okay. And then I don't know who would voice the other one. Because I'm thinking Lynette would be a bit more tomboyish, but like again, voice actors have like a lot of different voices. Yeah, because Estelle is very much she could probably do tomboyish if she wanted to, but she's very yeah. she's very poised and a little bit mm. dramatic from her yeah. role as Garnet, which is the only role I know her from <laughs> in voice <laughs> acting. Ooh, what if Shelby Rabara was the voice of 
Sorry, I'm just go- I'm just using the Steven Universe voice cast because I know that was okay. WB. <laughs> okay. But I think Shelby Rubara could be uh, an interesting choice for uh, Lisette. Lynette? Lynette. Lynette. Anyways, yeah, it's voice actors. We could easily get plenty of voice actors. Mm-hmm. Patty Lapone can be the Weird Witch of the Woods because she loves playing those kind of roles. Yeah. <laughs> Patty Lapone, her, her, her best roles have always either been the Weird Witch of the Woods or the Tall Woman Who Wants to Kill You. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking for Harris, like Dante Bosco, but like, I don't know, his, his voice permanently sounds like a teenager. Yeah. Zach Callison, also from Steven Universe, he uh, was able to use his natural voice when they did the sequel series, and so like he now that he's a a a grown a grown boy, <laughs> he's twenty four years old. So, <laughs> and low like I think I feel like it would still like to emphasize like the youth and the little bit of out of depthness of these characters that they were voiced by youngish sounding people. Yeah, yeah, probably people like just in their twenties. Because like we've all heard the differences in singer in like just singers' voices from like when they started versus like ten years later. Yeah. Your voice keeps developing because you keep using your vocal cords. It's like a muscle. Yeah. <laughs> but also like a lot of voice actors are well known for being able to keep a similar voice the whole mm-hmm. time they're around. Yeah. Like one of the things that tipped me off that Clancy Brown was playing Lyndon Baines Johnson on the crown was because I recognized his voice. <laughs> <laughs> they showed him in silhouette in one of the White House bathrooms because Johnson had a thing about holding meetings just about anywhere, and that included when he was on the can. <laughs> because he liked, he liked to give the Johnson treatment. He had a big one. I was just sitting there like, why does he sound like Lex Luthor? And then I look it up, and it's like, oh shit, it's Clancy Brown. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. He is also Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, me boy. <laughs> what if what if we got Clancy Brown to voice Merlin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Either his Lex Luthor voice or his Mr. Krabs voice will do. <laughs> What if what if we got Clancy Brown to voice both? Is Lex Luthor voice for Arthur, and then is yeah. Mr. Krabs voice for Merlin? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then who do we get for Guillomar? Some posh British actor who can sound very menacing? Hmm. Uh, Prince Lotor from Voltron was voiced by... AJ, Lo- AJ Locascio. I don't think he's really British. But he could do a posh British voice. He's from New Jersey. <laughs> but he can do a posh British voice. Yes. <laughs> and also, apparently, Marty McFly. <laughs> <laughs> he has the range. Yes. <laughs> he also voiced Emmett, Emmett Burkowski in the Legoland 4D short subject of the Lego Movie 4D A New Adventure. This was because Chris Pratt was unavailable at this time. All right, everybody, fireupetitions.change.org. Petition for A.J. Locascio to replace all instances of Chris Pratt. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. In a sequel, we could probably get Mark Hamill to do something. Yeah. Yep. As the voice of Morgan Le Fay. <laughs> As the voice of Bladebeak. We'll we'll probably end up getting Jillian Anderson to play Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much it. 
decision and big battle and spooch and I don't know opening for a sequel because Morgan Le Fay always has plans to take down Camelot so we can put the dragons in the sequel but yeah. they'll just be like a mini boss mm-hmm. it'll be a normal t- a two-headed dragon who does bicker but they don't get a whole musical number about bickering yeah I don't know maybe they'll be like oh who's the Hiram McDaniels the literal five-headed dragon <laughs> I think that was James Urbaniak. <laughs> no, Jackson Public. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the start of a beautiful new series. You know, for teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it's uh, off to I don't know, off to the adventures of a friendship promo. Yay! Hello, stranger. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she and her. And welcome to Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. In this podcast, I'll be talking with fans and creators of the Magical Girl genre about their favorite series. And if you're wondering what a Magical Girl is, from witches to angels, fairies to androids, helpful and heroic girls and young women have been influencing pop culture for nearly 70 years, and we will try our best to get to all of it to hear how. Led us to... With some stops at. Or. In between. Whether you're a veteran of the genre or someone who has never heard of it before, I hope this podcast can be a place to learn and celebrate every corner of the magical girl world and that we can convince you to love them just as much as we do. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Magical Girl Ayu. That's spelled A-Y-U. And please spread the word and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and have a magical day. One second thought, let's not go to Camelot. Tis a silly pace. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? <laughs> I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Boot You First, and they're pronounced The Ogre's Butt. <laughs> Jeez. Um... You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite Marita France uh, shade. She throws a lot of shade at Guinevere. <laughs> That's where you could send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Quarter Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on our network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, Lindsay. So, Tanner. Do you want a hint for next time? Sure.
the next episode is actually going to be the first episode of 2022. Awesome. And I didn't initially have plans for that, but you know what? I think I'm going to stick with the theme of Jessalyn Gilsig. <laughs> so uh, next week, if you save the cheerleader, you can save the world. Oh. So assuming that we do not get interrupted by a writer strike, we will be diving into that next time, but not if we review you first. Bye. <laughs>